0: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the On Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, and this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before I get started, you may know me from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog where I started covering the Chargers about five seasons ago, and I also write for the LA Football Network covering the Chargers as well, but we have been doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, for the last five years, and this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome back. This is Crossover Thursday for you guys today, and we have a really good one because I'm going to be talking with the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, Tony Wiggins. And we have a lot to get into, including... Whether this will be the last season, the Jaguars have Gardner Minshew and Doug Marone. And we'll also get into what has been going on with that depleted defense. And a defense that's been giving up over 30 points per game. And if there's any hope for them, we also get to vent about Gus Bradley. Because if there's anyone that knows what we're going through, the Jaguars do as well. Having him as their head coach a few seasons back. But... We're going to start with a couple of press conferences because Anthony Lynn spoke with the media about some injuries with Brian Bulaga, Trey Turner, also Melvin Ingram, Drew Tranquil, and Justin Jones as well. And we'll also get into a little bit of Justin Herbert, who had some things to say in his press conference on Wednesday as well. But let's get started. On Wednesday, we got to hear from Los Angeles Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn and their star rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert. This is Daniel Wade with your Locked On Chargers lead story. For the first time since the Chargers lost against the Saints, we got to hear from Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, and he touched on a lot of things, but most importantly, he touched on injuries, and he was asked about if the Chargers were healthier now that the bye week has passed, and what he has said was, well, I'm hoping to get Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones back, that's a couple of starters, but that's about all I'm really counting on. After that, everyone else is healing and getting healthier, and this was only surprising because there's a couple of guys that everybody was wondering about, and those were two guys on the offensive line, Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga. And as we all know, these are guys that were big offseason acquisitions for the Chargers, trying to repair a line that has been pretty bad over the last few seasons. And what he said about them was that both of them are getting better, but they're not ready yet. And that was backed up somewhat by Wednesday's first injury report of the week, because Trey Turner was still missing practice. And Brian Bulaga was able to get back at practice for the first time in a while, but was still a limited participant. And I think a fair question here to the Chargers would be, why were these guys not on injured reserve? Neither of them has really played since week two. You're allowed to bring back as many players from injured reserve as you would want to. And you only have to wait three weeks to bring those guys back and get them back on the field. So, and now at this point, it looks like the Chargers could have done that and had some more bodies On the team, but right now, both of those guys are question marks for this week. But he did say he was hopeful that they could have Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones back this week. And he did say that if they were to come back, that they would be on a limited snap count. But he also talked about a couple of guys who are a little bit further out as well. He touched on Austin Eckler, and many thought potentially he could be coming back soon as well. But he did say that it will be later rather than sooner with Austin. He had a very serious injury with his hamstring, and we want to make sure he's right. He also talked about Drew Tranquil as well, saying that if he was to come back, it would definitely be late in the season. So not looking like the Chargers are going to get those guys back anytime soon. But another interesting tidbit from Lynn's press conference on Wednesday was, He was asked about Quentin Spain, an offensive guard that the Bills just released and a guy that Anthony Lynn coached in Buffalo. And what he said was that they are always looking to bring in good players. But at the same time, he said he's comfortable with his O-line depth. Until Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga return, he said that there are things that they can do with the guys they still have to make them better. This is an interesting position for the Chargers to be in because they do have Trey Turner at right guard who should be coming back soon, but has still not been able to return to practice. And that position for the Chargers, whether it's Tyree St. Louis or Ryan Groy, has been really tough for them. And whoever has played that position for the Chargers outside of Turner so far this year has not played well. So it could make sense for the Chargers trying to turn their season around to bring in a very experienced veteran in Quentin Spain. At least you have more depth at the position and more high-quality depth At that position, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but Anthony Lynn has brought in guys that he's had ties with in Buffalo before already. When you think back to guys like Tyrod Taylor, who right now is the backup quarterback, and even Cardale Jones, they took in to try to see if they could kind of resurrect his career and it didn't end up working out, but Quentin Spain is definitely a guy to have on the radar, is a guy that could come in and potentially help the Chargers offensive line that has really struggled, especially over the last couple of weeks, at least while they're waiting to get some of their premier starters back out there but we also got to hear from ricky quarterback justin herbert whose prolific star has been well documented throughout the nfl but one of the first questions he was asked on wednesday was if he was hard on himself when he watches his own film and he opened up a little bit about his process and he said i like to think so i think it's very important for everyone to hold each other accountable there's no feelings it's not personal. If I make a mistake, I need to know it. I need to be as hard on myself as I am on others, so I want to be held to the same standard as everyone else. And I think that is a very important thing for a rookie quarterback to understand, which is that he has to be able to take these things on the go and be able to try to fix them and evolve with the mistakes that he's made to try to become a more well-rounded quarterback. And I think he's made some great strides towards doing so, but he also opened up a little bit about his college academics in his biology major that he went into and he was also asked if he wasn't playing football if he would maybe be in medical school and his answer to that was if i wasn't playing football hopefully i'd be coaching the game or somewhere involved in the game i just love football too much not to be around it and Even though he didn't really say too much right there, I do think when you're looking at a rookie quarterback, that is what you want the answer to be. And he has not opened up about a lot of things. But I think if you're looking at a guy, especially a guy who had knocks about his introverted nature, and also just the fact that people questioned whether he could be a leader. This is just a guy that's out here loving football. And he was even asked about being an introvert. And he said he wouldn't say that's fairly accurate. He said on the surface, it might appear that way. Once I really get to know people and the team, I think a lot of guys on this team would tell you differently. And I think if you watch Justin Herber out on the field with his teammates, you listen to their post game press conferences and how much They want to get a win just for this guy specifically. I think he has won over this locker room, and I think he's far exceeded expectations on something that was considered to be a weakness going into his career. And now it seems like this is a team that really has his back. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is Crossover Thursday, so we got to get in with the Locked on Jaguars podcast and get into this weekend's game and vent a little bit about Gus Bradley. But first, I need to tell you guys that if there's any auto part you need, there's really only one place to go, and that is rockauto.com. Because it's so sh- because with the ever increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? when you can get everything that you need on the biggest inventory you're going to find at rockauto.com. And the best part is you don't have to go anywhere. You can just find it online and they will send it right to your doorstep. But, but the other great thing about rockauto.com is you're always going to get the best prices. I mean, whether you're a daily driver or a professional mechanic, it doesn't matter. You're going to be getting the best price available through rockauto.com and they have everything you need, whether it's control modules or brake parts or tail lamps. Even motor oil and a new carpet you can find at rockauto.com. And all you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write On" in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. What is up? It is time for Crossover Thursday, and on today's show, I get to talk with someone who can commiserate me with me a little bit on this tough start to the season because I'm talking with Tony Wiggins from a locked on Jaguars and I have a bunch of questions going into this weekend's matchup where Justin Herbert is going to be looking to try and get that first win because that thing has been avoiding him like crazy so far this season so Tony, I know it's been a really tough year for you guys so far, and, I mean, we can definitely understand that. But I, li- I did listen to the show on Monday, and I know that you're fed up with the coaching staff and the quarterback. So, at this point, do you think it's a foregone conclusion that going into 2021 this team will have a new quarterback and a new head coach?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's not a foregone conclusion. By the way, I appreciate you using the word commiserate right off the bat, you know, <laughs> using those big words on me. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it's a foregone. it's not a foregone conclusion that – Uh, after this weekend, we won't have at least a new head coach and maybe a new GM. Uh, I thought it may happen after the uh, Lions game this week. And I I ain't going to lie to you. I had a source that told me it would. But then I thought about it. They're slow to do that around here. Ask your defensive coordinator. He should have been gone 18 months before he got fired when he was here. They're real slow to do that. But then I thought about it. They have a game this week on the West Coast. And it's the last game before a bye. It didn't make sense to do it on a short practice week. It's not really a short practice week as far as a game is. But when you're going from east to west, the practice is kind of condensed a little bit. And that's a long thing, a long week to travel. If they're going to do anything, it's going to be when they have a bye week. And all they're going to do is just probably bump Jay Gruden up to be the head coach. So, yeah, man, it's not just me. It's everybody around here. And it's because the current administration, the record is terrible. And they blamed a lot of people that left here. It was Tom Coughlin. It was Jalen Ramsey. It was Leonard Fournette. It was Yannick Ngakwe in the media. A lot of people that still here sort of pointed the finger at a lot of people that left, including Gus. It was his fault. At some point, you got to stop blaming the cargo that left, especially when the results are the same. And they look worse now than they did before. They do.
0: Yeah, that's tough. I mean, if you guys want Gus back, I'm sure we could work something out. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh, the way you guys feel about that defense quarter is how a lot of people feel about the Chargers defense coordinator and Gus Bradley right now. But I would we say still, one of the- we We
1: technically still have Gus because we have a guy that looks just like him and he <laughs> – Gus Gus mentored him. It's Todd Wash. When you put him in the same room, you can't tell them apart. And they both – Todd Wash was his defensive line coach. They come from the same team. Right. They come from yeah. – when you know, so – no, man, we don't want Gus back. In fact, we want <laughs> Gus to come back here and pick his buddy up and take him with him. That's what we want. Uh,
0: hey, maybe he might have the opportunity. <laughs> they can link up somewhere else in 2021. Right. But uh, I know one of the bright spots for you guys this season was undrafted free agents and uh, undrafted free agents say undrafted free agent James Robinson. But over the last couple of weeks, he's cooled off a little bit. Do you guys see this as a game, especially with all of Gardner Minshew's mistakes, where they try to limit those by getting him going again, trying to lean on the run a little bit? The Chargers haven't been super stout so far this year, so I think that is something they could do if they wanted to. How do you see this game plan rolling out offensively?
1: D-Wade, it's funny you asked that, because the last two weeks we were supposed to do that. <laughs> uh, if you look back, uh, if you look at Houston and if you the last two opponents, Houston and Detroit, they might be the two worst teams in the league at stopping the run. And the Jaguars, their strategy was supposed to go into those games and run the football. They were the two worst running games. The Jaguars had all year. And, uh, Gardner mentioned threw the ball in both of those games over 40 times. So yeah, it's a head scratcher, right? Right. Because they weren't behind very much in either one of those games. When you think about it, they were way behind in the first two games and they were man against, uh, the Colts and against the Titans, and they managed to actually commit more to the run in those games.
0: Two good teams, too.
1: Against, they committed more to the run in those games, than they were, and they were able to come back from behind. But then in the games that they were closer in, the games that they were more involved, they totally abandoned the run. Teams are making Gardner Minshew play on schedule, not letting them scramble. But they're also packing the box and stopping the run and saying, look, we can't stop the run. We're not, not going to let that kid kill us. But we're also not going to overcommit to blitzing and creating running lanes for Gardner Minshew to play sandlot, backyard football. We're going to make him play on schedule, and we're going to make him throw balls in the windows that we don't think he has the arm strength to throw the balls into those windows. And they're proving themselves to be right. Don't get caught up in his stats. His efficiency and all of that and his stats, he's way up high in the league. But a lot of that stuff comes late in the games when teams are backed off and he's just dumping the ball off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think Gardner Minshew is one of those guys that, from afar, it looks exciting. You're like, oh, I could get behind that backyard football. And then he's your quarterback, and you're losing games, and it's not so fun. But flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball, I mean – when you lose guys like, you know, you talked about Jalen Ramsey, but even more recently, Kameleas Campbell, one of my favorite players. You lose Yannick and Gawkway. I mean, they've just lost so much. A.J. Bouye, you can throw into there as well. But when you look at this defense perfor- defensive performance, I know how you feel about the defensive coordinator. I've heard you talk about it on your show. But do you look at that as just a depleted roster that doesn't have enough talent to perform defensively? Or do you look at it more of coaching and execution?
1: I look at it as they – they got to the point where, okay, they went out, and, and this is an analogy I've used in the past. They went and got a bunch of dogs before in 2017. They got dogs that bite. They got Malik Jackson. They got Clares Campbell. They got Jalen Ramsey. You mentioned Boye. They got Miles Jack. They had Dante Fowler. They had all these dogs that bite, right? Guys that, you, you know, they just wake up wanting to hurt somebody. When you get people like that, when things don't go right, they start biting each other. And they'll bite bite their mama. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And it's like, if you can't control it, it it does get off the rails a little bit, especially when you don't win. So what happened is they decided what they they do is, and then those guys questioned the scheme. Those guys questioned that defense that we're talking about. The same way Lewis Riddick and guys that watch the game go, why are they playing 3D? And why are they playing uh, over this? And why are they playing two-man under? And why, why are they doing it? Those guys did the same thing. So instead of some of those guys, mainly the guy in L.A., Jalen, instead of them doing what they wanted the coordinator to do, they said, no, it ain't going to work. I'm going to do what I want to do. So you and I both know this. Even if you're doing right, if you do what you want to do, but it's not what everybody else is doing, then it's not going to work. Right. So what happened is they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of all of the guys that that want to do their own thing, that want to question everything. And we're just going to get a bunch of guys that are going to do everything that we want them to do. So now they got a bunch of guys that are young, that are impressionable, that are coachable, and they're all doing everything that the coaches want them to do. The problem not is working. the coaches is doing – they're not good, right. and then the coaches are asking them to do stuff. It's wrong. The coaches are asking them to do stuff that they're incapable of doing, and the results, as you can see, people are running around all over the field They're wide open. This defense had – this team had – they had 16 rookies coming into the year. They got 13 of them on the active roster sometimes on the 52. That's ridiculous.
0: Right. That's ridiculous. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. They – put it this way. They have no pass rush. They have five sacks on the year. Yannick Ngakwe and Calais Campbell right now have nine combined just between the two. Mm. That That hurts.
0: hurts. Yeah.
1: Yannick has five by himself. Five. (sighs)
0: In Your whole team's production. <laughs> yeah,
1: Yeah. now they're 1-5, but he still has five sacks by himself.
0: I think everybody could find, you know, some room for a guy with five sacks through six games at this point of the season. I mean, the Chargers' pass rush hasn't been great. I think they have nine sacks. But I think for Chargers fans, it's hard to look at any one opponent and think, oh, this is the game we're for sure going to win just because they've seen him blow it so many times. I mean, even the last game a couple of years ago against the Jaguars, I mean, Blake Bortles and that team, you're up – two scores late in the game and they end up forcing OT with like less than two minutes. You turn the ball over twice. So I do think that this probably will be closer even than some Jaguar fans think it will be. And that's probably my mistrust in the chargers and them with the inability to finish games off. But there are a couple of players I would say on that Jaguars defense. I'm a big miles Jack guy. I mean, I think they do have a couple of pieces. So if you're looking at this Sunday's matchup and you're trying to pick apart, you know, what guys could make a big impact, who are you looking to
1: Uh, miles? Jack, you mentioned it miles. Jack, Joe Schobert finally, he's a big free agent sign. He him $50 million to come play Mike linebacker. That allowed Miles Jack to finally live up to his potential because he hadn't played weak side linebacker since they drafted him. First two years, he was Sam. Then they moved him to the Mike. He finally lived up up to his potential because they moved him to his natural position. And he's shown up. He's one of the five best weak side linebackers in the NFL. And, you know, now you're seeing it. He just has to stay healthy. Schobert had his best game. They've been calling him out around here. He had an interception last week. He was all over the field. So, he played well last week. So, let's just see if that can carry over. C.J. Henderson, the rookie, ninth pick overall. has had one good game. But it was the first game of the year. After that, you know, he, he's been on a milk cart. Nobody's seen him. Uh, uh, <laughs> last year's best rookie was Josh Allen. I don't think he's going to play this week. He hadn't played the last two weeks. And he only has two sacks, and both of those were gimmies late in the game where he kind of ran into him. So, he, you know, his th- the thing with him is he hasn't looked anywhere near the guy that everybody around here was saying, well, he's just as good as Joey Bosa. No, he isn't. He had 10 and a half sacks last year and only 60% of the, uh, the snaps. And people were getting on Mayock because Mayock passed on him instead of drafting him instead of Cleveland Farrell. Well, nobody's talking to Mayock about that right now because yeah. without Yannick and without Calais, this kid isn't even getting double and he's not putting up those numbers. Uh, the other first-round pick, Kayla LeVon Chasen, don't know where he is. So uh, right now it's it's Miles Jack. They've gotten some good play uh, out of Jarrett Wilson to safety now that he's back. He's uh, shored up the defense a little bit. But there's not a lot, man. There's just not a lot on that side of the ball uh, to really, really be proud of. You see a lot of guys flying and running around, and they're hitting really hard. But it's just that most of the tackles are being made at the second and third level, and that's never, right. never good you know, for any defense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally understand that. I mean, there's some guys that most people couldn't even name on the Chargers defense right now just because of so many injuries, but I definitely feel your pain right there. But we do have to flip it into the other side where you're going to ask me some questions about the Chargers, and I'm going to tell you what I feel good about going into this weekend. But first, before we get into that, I need to tell you guys this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching.
1: All right, it's the Locked On Jaguars, Locked On Chargers crossover. I'm Tony Wiggins with Daniel Wade, my man D-Wade. I'm finally saying L.A. Chargers. I've been saying San Diego for about two or three years now, but no worries. Finally, I'm a San Diego guy. I still appreciate I, I, it. I know it, man. I got to get out to San Diego too, man. I heard it's really, really nice. Both Navy towns, by the way. So mm-hmm. salute to the U.S. Navy, man. I mean, and
0: thank you for your service, brother. Appreciate yeah, you.
1: yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. With both Navy towns, so salute to the Navy and what they do for both of our communities. Um, I, I can't talk about the Chargers without talking about two things. One. The little quarterback y'all got, man, he's all right. He's all right, man. And everybody talked about, you know, questioning his accuracy and all of this stuff. I got to talk about the little quarterback, so he ain't going to bury the lead. I'm going to get to him. But, man, Coach Lynn, man, he has to feel real bad. Y'all just can't beat these teams. It's like all – every time I watch you guys, you playing against good teams, I'm like, they're going to get them. They're going to get them. They're going to get And I mean, it's like really good teams and it's always one little play. It was Mike Williams the other day with like an inch and they pulled him back. What do you have to do to get over the hump? We'll do that first and then we'll talk about Justin Herbert.
0: For sure. I mean, I think for this team specifically at the end of a game, I think it's going to have to take them doing something to win the game as opposed to week one where you have, you know, an offensive pass interference. That saves a touchdown. That probably costs him a win week one. And then you have a Randy Bullock missed 31-yard field goal. And it's hard to feel good about that because you don't really feel like you won. You feel like they lost, right? So I think for this team, I mean, I think the third team since 1991 to give up consecutive 17-point leads, I think it's going to take one. You know what I mean? But for Lynn, I mean, 6-15 and 15 in his last 21 games, this team's going in the wrong direction. And when you look at the quarterback play, before you could blame Phillip Rivers getting a lot harder to blame Justin Herbert for these losses and I mean a 50-yard field goal gets missed last week I mean it's just so many things this team doesn't know how to finish and it's kind of one of those things it's hard to quantify you know what's the right way to get these things done what has to change but I think it's just the biggest thing is the lack of aggression in the second half with a lead I mean the Chargers have only scored 7.8 points in the second half of their games so far this season they're scoring 14.2 in the first half. So, I mean, something's changing between first half and second half. They come out in the second half a lot of times. They take their foot off the, break, or off the gas, and then once that other team gets that first touchdown, now it's a 10-point lead. I mean, it seems like it's in these guys' minds. I mean, there's something in the back of their mind that's like, oh, it's happening again, right? So, I think for, for them to start winning these close games, and I think Anthony wins 3-13 and 13 since the start of 2019, and games you know, decided by one score in every Chargers game, of course, this season has come down to one score, and I think that's why why, you you can't get too excited about this weekend going up against the Jaguars. But I do really think it's going to take somebody making a big play defensively, somebody getting the game-winning touchdown late in the game to really turn these things around because whatever they're doing so far hasn't worked, and when you're losing close games and every game you're in is a close game, you have some really big issues.
1: I think a little bit of Anthony Lynn, somebody needs to prune him and take a little (laughs) bit of him and put it in Kyle Shanahan and take a little bit of Kyle Shanahan and put it in Anthony Lynn. Because it's his background probably as a running backs coach and a disciple of Bill Parcells that probably wants to make him ground and pound and get that clock moving. And he probably forgets what got him there. And it's those big receivers. And it's throwing the ball and getting the ball downfield. Because that quarterback, let me tell you something, The kid is fearless. I saw him going head-to-head with Drew Brees and taking shots down the field to guys and giving those guys a chance to win 50-50 balls. By the way, it might be – and Keenan Allen is great. And it might be a 50-50 ball with Keenan Allen and some other guys. It's an 80-20 ball with Mike Williams because he's going to go up and get – he's about as good as anybody that I've seen since Randy Moss of going up and finding the football even in traffic when he's surrounded by multiple people.
0: Well, and a lot of the times, especially last week against the Saints – I mean, even on the broadcast, they're calling for it. They're like, hey, Mike Williams on Marshawn Lattimore. You have to get a chunk play here to try to get a field goal attempt to end the game. And everybody knew it was going to him. It's triple coverage. I mean, a credit to Justin Herbert because that ball was put in a perfect place. I mean, in between about six hands up there along the sideline. But for Mike Williams, I mean, it's just so hard to quantify, you know, what that brings to your offense. Having that guy that can make 80-20 balls, you know, that are actually 50-50 balls on a consistent basis. And he's been able to do that. The production from him has been in and out. And it seems like every year he's been dealing with some kind of injury. But so far this year, the Chargers trying to get both those guys on the field at the same time, because even last week it took Keenan Allen to go out injured early in the game with some back spasms for Justin Herbert and Mike Williams to find that connection. Because before that they didn't really have it. He missed a couple of games. And I think that is one of the more positive things going for the Chargers offense, even though it took Keenan Allen getting injured you saw that they have that connection. You saw that they can make big plays. It wasn't just the play on the sideline. It's a 64-yard touchdown, broken coverage. I mean, so you say what you will about that. But that connection is forming there. And with the arm that Justin Herbert has, I think it's going to take a little bit for him to kind of really, you know, release those reins and be willing to just throw it up and give up a 50-50 ball because one of the things they try to coach out of him is, hey, don't risk the ball, you know, Take care of the football, which is obviously something every young quarterback has to do. But that has been something that's really exciting. And Mike Williams, I mean, especially going into his fifth year option next season, he just has to find a way to do it on a more consistent basis. But there's one thing that's for sure. I mean, as far as fifty-fifty ball goes, as far as just throwing the ball up to somebody and knowing your guy's gonna come down with it, there isn't many better people than Mike Williams.
1: Speaking of which, real quick before I get to the defense, did they pick up that fifth-year option already? They did. They did, okay. Mm-hmm. Um Derwin James, obviously I'm a Florida State uh, Mm -hmm. supporter. Uh, Tough luck. Uh, Does it look like he'll uh, be able to come back later on this year?
0: No, and I don't think he's even able to. Um, They put him on injured reserve before the season started, and I know that there's a bunch of weird rules with COVID-19, but I believe the rule is you have to keep him on the initial 53-man roster. Then you move him to injured reserve so that he can come back later. I know the initial prognosis was six to eight months I think the Chargers, even at this point, even if he could come back for the last couple of games, I don't think they have any intention of doing that.
1: Okay. It sucks. <laughs> You're getting Melvin Ingram back, and he combines with the big Bosa. I know I remember I, I named Joey earlier, but – I know, it is Joey. It's not – Yeah, it's Joey. you got it's, it. Joey, Joey Bosa and uh, Melvin Ingram, two guys that uh, form one of the best, if not the best duo in the league you got some you got some heavy-duty pass rushers where you guys can get pressure with four, and that means you don't have to uh, bring extra people. And that absolutely helps the coverage, and it helps the fact that you don't have Derwin, but you got some other good people back there in the back too. Tell us about your defense with those, those two bookends and some of the other parts you have in the back.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this was one of the most talented secondaries going into the season. I mean, Derwin James obviously helps out. For my money, I mean, he's a top three safety already, in the NFL when he's healthy, just because of how many different things he can do. But he's gone now. Chris Harris Jr., one of the slot guys they brought in, you know, done it really well for 10 years over in Denver. He's still on injured reserve as of right now. There was some rumors he could come back this week. So he's expected to potentially return this week, but we haven't seen anything that would suggest that. I mean, as we've seen with Melvin Ingram and Justin Jones, the two guys they are returning. But for Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, the one thing that doesn't show up a lot with Melvin Ingram is the times he's just standing up along the line of scrimmage, and you don't know where he's going to come from. And usually what that does is it's meant to get Joey Bosa a one-on-one matchup with the tackle, because you don't know if he's trying to come up that B-gap right next to Joey Bosa coming in. So even though the sack production hasn't been there for Ingram the last couple of years, he just does a lot of things that you just can't really teach. I mean, week one against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals are going down to tie the game, and he picks off a screen pass. Like, football IQ, stuff like that is huge. Having him back for that will be huge. But I'd be lying to you if I told you that I wasn't a little bit disappointed by this pass rush. I mean, last year, they were 28th in sacks. Both of those guys played most of the season. This year, they only have nine sacks through five games. He's obviously missed three games, Melvin Ingram has. But it just hasn't really been there. And I think a lot of that is going into it. Everyone knows who you have, right? So they know how to game plan against that. They're going to try to throw the ball quickly. And that's the thing with Gus Bradley is, when you're running soft coverage like that and you're willing to give up a seven-yard completion on every first down, it's hard to get a pass rush when the man, guy needs- Man, man, you, <laughs> are, you are speaking to – doesn't it drive you crazy playing soft <laughs> coverage? Nuts. They played Tony, show- 70% completion percentage against this defense last year. 70%. No, I'm going like to tell you something.
1: I'm going to tell you when it drove Charger fans crazy because we're familiar with it here in Jacksonville. Right. There's a game you guys played in the playoffs against the Patriots. Ugh. He just sat there and just let Tom Brady just keep throwing yep. the ball for six yards, six yards, sh- every single time. And I know it drove those – it it had to drive Casey Hayward and those guys. Let us bump
0: these people. Right. He won't do it. He won't. Yeah, he won't. It's not it, in doesn't his Doesn't it drive you crazy, man? Oh, for sure. I mean, even the blitzing part of it, like you don't have to blitz to be a good defense, you know, but you have to be able to switch it up a little bit. Anthony Lynn made it seem like he was mandating more blitzing, more aggressiveness. you got to pick up the pressure because if you're running a a soft cover three, it's based on getting pressure. It's based on getting pressure with the four man front and making a quarterback throw it before he wants to. And then that can lead to turnovers and whatever else. But when you're giving up seven yards of, you know, off coverage on every play, it just doesn't work. And I remember that game specifically, there was a mic up with Joey Bosa saying, Hey, stop throwing the ball so quick, but why would Tom Brady do that? I mean, all he has to do is get, you know, seven yards to James White on every first down, and then you're just fighting an uphill battle. So this Chargers fan base has had it with Gus Bradley. And the one thing is, is like you've lost so many players. You've lost Chris Harris Jr., Drew Tranquil, starting linebacker, Derwin James, Justin Jones, Melvin Ingram. But at some point, that can't be the excuse anymore. You have to change something up because both Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are in the top 10 of winning their one-on-one matchups in pass rush. So how is that leading to the 28th team in sacks in the NFL? Like, it doesn't make sense. But you look at what Gus Bradley's doing, even with the mandate from Lynn, he's blitzing less than he did last year. And it's just incredibly frustrating because you don't have the fastest corners and guys like Chris Harris Jr. and Casey Hayward Jr. If you let them bump, if you can knock them out their route for a second, that's pretty much all those pass rushers need to get home. And it just seems like Gus Bradley, year in, year out, you hope it's going to be something different. You know yeah. that he's kind of coasted with great talent like he did in 2018. And now you're seeing when he doesn't have that great talent to buoy him, he's just another guy.
1: No, and everybody thinks it's Pete Carroll. Pete. That's not Pete Carroll. Pete, you know, you could, Pete Carroll take you to the water, but you got to drink yourself. That is right. not. At some point, these dudes have their own variation of this stuff. Seattle does not play that way. Right. They say play that way a little bit, but not quite that way. But anyway, let's get to some predictions. Uh, because of the West Coast trip, I, I don't think the Jaguars are going to win. I, you know, I can't pick them. I think, I think right now the Jaguars are hoping and praying that, that somebody can beat the Jets, and and that's not going well. The Jets can beat somebody, and that ain't going to happen either. Because I
0: heard you say that you thought a high school team could pretty much beat the Jets yeah, at man, this point. The,
1: the, the, the only thing the Jaguars got going for them is something they don't want going for them, and that is that the Jets are worse than them, and uh, the Jets are awful. So, I don't want to say that on this show, the national show. <laughs> Pete Axtell, I, I always said, th- he called them uh, the late great Pete Axtel. He's called them the the big green fungus in New York. And I'm telling big you, they are fungus. absolutely the worst team I have ever seen right now. So, I you know, I'm trying to figure out if they can lose and the Jaguars can somehow end up with the number one pick. But I don't think the Jaguars can come out west and win. I think Herbert's too good. And uh, even though they don't have Ecular, I do believe Mike Ways and those guys will take advantage of a young secondary. And I think uh, both Santa the crew's going to get home, and I think the secondary is good enough to shut down the receivers. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I see it kind of the same way. I do think that this offense for the Chargers, I mean, has kind of broken out over the last couple of weeks. You know, you're putting up 27, you're putting up 31. Those are good offensive production numbers, but even your defense is giving up 37 and 30. I mean, you're not, you're not winning games, and I don't know if the Jaguars offense can do that against them this week, and I do think that this Chargers offense is waiting for a game where they can go up against a softer defense and finally be able to put up some points and, and score consistently throughout the game. But it's hard to have a lot of confidence in the Chargers, but it's two teams that I think are lacking a lot of confidence. So I would say right now I definitely lean Chargers. But, I mean, they're five for five in one-score game, Tony. Like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be as, as wide of a margin as you think it is because if you look back to the Chargers, they went up against C.J. Beathard and almost lost. They went up against Jeff Driscoll and the Cincinnati Bengals and almost lost. I mean, this Chargers team, when they're supposed to do things just like the Jaguars are supposed to get the run going the last couple of weeks against bad rush defenses, the Chargers, when they're supposed to win games like this, always make it tougher than need be.
1: I remember a couple of years ago, I got to tell you this before we uh, get out of here. A couple of years ago in the press box, there was some guys from Charger land, that were picking at the fact that Lambeau was our kicker. Well, let me tell you something, man. is one of the best kickers <laughs> in the NFL. They were like, a Lambo. They were laughing. I'm like... That's that's tacky. And now he's, he's hurt now. He's not here. But so the advantage y'all might have is.
0: He's the one that got away. Yeah, yeah. He's the one that, I mean, the Chargers brought in Roberto Aguayo after that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. After Josh Lambo, when you yeah. bring in Roberto Aguayo, bring back Josh Lambo. I would have much yeah. rather had him kicking that. And he, he could make
1: table. it from Tijuana, too, right now, if he was out there. But I'll tell you this, we had a brother, and I say a brother because he looked like me, right? I could probably cut his head. We had a brother last week kicking. He ain't never kicked a. I saw football. that. And he never kicked the football in a game, in a, in a
0: real football High school, college, nothing. No, right? no,
1: no. So he made the first one. We were like, damn, right? Because he had made this kick in preseason. And then he missed like a 30-yard. He was like, come on, dude. Let's do so. Yeah, yeah. They still got him. So that's why I don't think we can win a close game, man. But hey, man, it was great talking to you, D-Wade, man. We'll do this again. We'll do this again off air, man, because we can do this all day. We'll hey, be. playoff crossover coming up? yeah how about uh top five draft pick crossover yeah that's that's what D-Wade is for man uh Chargers Jaguars crossover man I hope y'all enjoy we'll enjoy it and uh I'm gonna probably DM you man as soon as something funny happens Sunday it's gonna be three letters G-U-S that's what it's gonna be I'm I'm gonna DM you Gus right there you go
0: sounds good
1: all right man take care man
0: All right, well, a special thank you to Tony Wiggins of the Locked On Jaguars. I mean, what a fun show. Nobody understands what we're going through with Gus Bradley like Tony Wiggins. So if you guys want to follow him, make sure to go follow the Locked On Jaguars podcast on Twitter. And you can also find him on Twitter at Shop Talking Wig with two Gs. I mean, he's definitely worth a follow on there but that is going to wrap things up for today's show on tomorrow's show we'll be getting into our keys for success against the jaguars to see what it's going to take to get them their first win and make our predictions for this game i think we're feeling pretty good about it but you'll find out tomorrow until then make sure to go like the facebook page locked on chargers as well as following us on twitter at locked on lac you can also follow me on twitter at dan talk sports But you can also subscribe to us, which is the best way to get the podcast the fastest and easiest way, whether you're getting it from Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can find us wherever you get your podcast from. If you guys want to get your voices on the show, you guys can call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. The number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But make sure to check back in with us tomorrow so you can hear our keys for success and get our game and bowl predictions for this game. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.